This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 37, First Round Strategies Wrap-Up. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Hunter, it's wonderful to be back. I can. Yeah. We got. We didn't get to touch each other last week. Hunter and I are not touching each other. We're in the same room again, recording over the same microphone in in the way you're not huddled, supposed to do as professional yeah. podcasters. We we do it our stupid way that we just love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back and uh, we're done. We we have a we we can breathe a sigh of relief. Right, yeah. Hunter? Ha. Ha. <sighs> the first round strategy guides are done. Podcast is over. Podcast is over. That joke keeps working every single time. <laughs> Man, they love that. Uh, no, the podcast isn't over. No. That's the whole thing. Man, there's going to be so much. Uh, we, we Today, we want to do some stuff. We want to uh, sum up kind of all of our experiences in doing 17 episodes of a thing is a lot, actually. Right. Uh, that set, there's, you know, 17 episodes is longer than a lot of TV shows. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's and true. It, we've been doing these guides since December, so Hunter and I wanted to take a minute and get a little esoteric on you. And we've just done like, like almost forty episodes in general. Like, well, yeah, HBO would have like chilled <laughs> four times, you know. So we wanted to to kind of talk about just all the guides today and sort of sum up things, make make you know weird sweeping generalizations, but also just like talk about where we are at in our ti games strategically based off of having done the guides uh we also want to talk about what's what's next this was a huge arc of the show that like most of you have kind of always known what was coming next because it's like well they still got to do a hakan guide at some point they right. still got to do that and now the floodgates have opened and none of, none of you know what to expect so at the end of today we're going to talk about where we see ourselves we have so much to tease we've got a lot we started making a list of things <laughs> to tease you with and it it got all, kind of out of hand yes. um but yeah there's so there's so much that we want to do with this show so much uh that we still have yet to explore and honestly the first round strategy guide format in general uh, a little bit limiting a little, a little bit yeah. limiting yeah it felt and felt i feel weird. like we've learned we learned a lot doing it that yes. way but we're more excited for the future of the show right. than we have been for the past like 10 episodes. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's not start with Debbie Downer stuff. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be in the same room as Hunter again because last week we recorded remotely and it was... We're not very good at that, are we? <laughs> it was a bit we're of not. a disaster. Uh, I don't know if the episode, like I don't know if you guys could just tell if there was like an energy that was off or anything, but... We have all kinds of recording issues, and I don't know. I, I'm just glad we're back doing can I this. Just, can I say what was happening? Yeah. I just want to say. Sure. Uh, so basically, when you listen to that episode, um, if when you hear me talk at all, I'm kind of just stabbing in the dark <laughs> because I, for a lot of the time, could not hear what matt was saying so <laughs> i was just like hoping that whatever i was about to say made sense based off 
what he just maybe said. And that he wasn't just interrupting me. Right. That's the other thing, too, is it was like, well, this might, he might be literally yeah. talking. My, uh, my, I was at my parents' house. I think I said that in the episode, but they have just a notoriously haunted internet connection. Right. Like uh, the worst. <laughs> and uh, so we were just battling that, and it's... You know, I'm hoping if there's ever a time in this show where Hunter and I aren't in, like, living in the same place anymore, we, we're going to have to figure out how to, like, make that energy come back alive. The main thing will be not recording at my parents' house. But all of that's beside the point. Uh, I also played, I played a game last week when, while I was in Arkansas. I played yeah. with our, our dear friend EJ and Chris and three strangers, uh, all who were new to the game. Has EJ been on the show before? I don't remember. EJ's been on the show. EJ was oh, yeah. in our People Who Play Oh yeah, 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 and he was Way on back. the and he was on the holiday spectacular. Oh yes, episode. yes, yes. Um, yes. He's the one with the deep radio voice. He's probably all... if 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 this was his show, it would be so much more professional. Mm-hmm. If he was the one with the Twilight yep. Imperium show, it would be, be a way better like, show. He he would be like the John Madden, <laughs> uh, and he'd be releasing you know his video game every year. Does John Madden make? Those games? No, I think his name was... <laughs> I don't think so. He's renowned software developer, John, John Madden. Madden. Also football sports announcer. Yeah. Uh, so you played a game. Who yes. cares? Uh, I was Arborek. Um, oh, cool. I just want to talk about how Arborek, so interesting that it remains true that there, that start is truly terrifying. It's hard, baby. And especially when both of your neighbors decide they want to... They want a piece of your pie, but um, if anything, I just kind of want to tell people, go back to our guide. I don't even remember how much we we talked about this, but like, if you're getting hurt early as Arborek, uh, my new recommendation is ignore victory points for a round or two. However, it yeah. takes, however long it takes to get on your feet, you need to survive because, again, you're a snowball. This is what I did. I, I got... My whole thing sandwiched in on. Most of my pie slice was taken from me. I was basically in my home system and on one other planet, and I had the clan of Sar breathing down my throat. So they could have just kept... They they had an asteroid field parked right next to me, and every single turn were putting out another dreadnought. Just dreadnought, 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 mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. into my pie slice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just said, okay, I can't focus on VPs at all. I just don't... Maybe that throws the whole game for me, but if I don't... If I try to go for VPs and save myself, I won't be able to do both. Right. And so I focused for like two rounds purely on holding him back until I could get him in a position where I said, okay, now we're on even footing. Let's stop this. Let's have some sort of promissory note exchange and we'll cancel this. And I'd been building enough ground forces that whole time because ground forces are cheap. And on top of whatever whatever other units I needed, I was then... Even though I'd been attacked for like three rounds, able to turn my snowball on. And I still was able to pump out even more ground forces and then start swinging huge fleets out there. Yeah. And I still won the game. I came from like a three or four point deficit, but in the last two rounds just swung so many points. How many rounds did you not score a point at all, you think? uh, At least two. At least two rounds of no points. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. It was very bad. But But the last round I scored like four or five. 
Nice. So, you know, it's, I think it was, what it was is I swung to a nine point lead. I, I got to nine points. I got four points in, in the second to last round. And then the last round was just like, and now just hold on. The last point is guaranteed. Uh, you just make sure I had like two other people that were ahead of me in initiative, just had to hold them back and no one could take my home system. So it was just to hold on until the status phase final round. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that's all it took, but but yeah, so hang in there, Arborex. You can you can make it out. And I just wanted to bring that point up because I feel like we've even seen other games where an Arborex gets one bad move early, and you kind of tend to think, "Well, I have a bad start, and I just had a bad thing happen to right, me." Right. Looks like my game is just completely gone, and yeah. it's not. Again, you are never out in TI. Too many random things can happen right. to pull you back into the fray. You just so. gotta keep laying down those roots. Keep yeah, growing that you know big plant matter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you about a game I played recently. Uh, just kidding. I've been taking a break. <laughs> Hunter, Hunter took a well-deserved break because Hakan nearly broke him. I actually said that I. it's weird. When we got when I got done with the Hakan guide, I was like, I'm going to take a month off from TI. And it's been two weeks. Yeah. I'm ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, that's all I needed. Yeah. I, I, just, I just needed some... I was I was beating my head up against the wall trying to come up with every single possible thing you should have to say about, about Hakan. Hakan, which was so just Everything. oh my god yeah it was too easy because in Jolnar I didn't have to say anything Jolnar was just you can do anything and that's always true and there's no there isn't there literally isn't a right answer but right. Hakan it was like you can do anything and sometimes you fall flat on your face. Yeah, and <laughs> it, I, I, I think in that episode, I realized, because I, I kind of thought that's, I was going to get to kind of do that same thing for the Jolnar episode that you did, which was essentially like, here, just look at the whole tech path. Yeah. That's that. There you right. go. Right. Um, But it didn't, it, it did not end up, that's not how it felt, actually, yeah. playing Hakan. It did not feel like, it right. felt like you were just playing your whole, whole new game with its own rules. What are we doing? Here yeah. we go. Let's, uh, what's so, this episode? So talking about, to, to jump off of, like, talking about Hakan and Jolnar, like, it is interesting to me to look back at these guides because why did we start them in the first place? Why did we decide to do this arc? Well, I think originally the thought was, like, we're going to try and cover every race. Obviously, that yes. seemed like the thing that made sense to do. But People also, were asking for that. Right, right. And uh, the idea of a first round strategy guide, it just seemed like the easiest thing to actually kind of sum up. Yes. was like, because there's less chaos at the beginning of the right. game. You always right. start with the same tech, the same units, the same right. home system. I compare this to uh, why we did the learn to learn, learn to teach episode. Yeah. Because people have even since then suggested like, why don't you guys do a learn to play? Like, how, like give us how you guys teach TI. And in my mind... There's already a billion resources out there, and every group gets taught differently. So we wanted to go further back from that and just like strip it down to its basics. And so doing first round guides was that same idea of like, I can't tell you how to play that whole faction overall. Right. Now this is this is how we started think. This is right. where we came from when we wanted to start these guys, was just like, we'll just do a one round guide. And then that one round turned into, well, you can't talk about the first round without talking about what your mid-game goals are. Like, you're doing your first round in service right. of a larger strategy. And by the end of these guides, we really were doing entire game it was guides, a, yeah. but we tried to... The only definitive information we ever tried to give you was round one, because beyond round one, there's just never... Like, there's no assurances that anything is going to be... 
reliable information. Yeah. The the only round that has any somewhat static info is round one. And what we learned over the course of these guides is even that is not enough. Like the your your seating order is going to change what strategy cards are even available to you. So it is it became very difficult to suggest strategy cards to you because it's kind of like well we have to just suggest half the deck because or or make a case for half the deck. Uh, the the other thing is your your starting units drastically change it. The the planet makeup of your system can change what is even available to you, and so. What we thought of a pretty static, like we can at least talk about round one, turned into you kind of can't even make any assumptions about round one. Right. And so I think why you see maybe us having more difficulty with those later guides is we started to nail that aspect down and we didn't want to do a disservice to, you know, the the all 17 guides. So it's like, well, we still got to hammer it out, but we couldn't recommend the same things we had been recommending in the first couple guides because... We, uh, A, your guys' errata had helped us find out how many things we suggested didn't work. Right. And B, the more games we played, just in general, we started to see the things that are not as reliable as, as we had thought they might be. Yeah, and I think it also just kind of comes down to, um, like, the, so they grew, right? They 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 weren't just first... They were never really first right. round strategy guides. But also, if you listen to, you know, all 17 of them, they have a lot of different ways that they function in general. Yes. Some of them are literally, like, almost down to build order Mentac. type. Yeah, like Mentac. The Mentac guide is do this and this and this. Right. And that will give you success. Versus, like we were just saying, the Jolnar guide is... Almost the polar opposite of that. We have no suggestions, right? For no you. specific anything, and so yeah, like each guide, sort of. I wish we could have just like kind of retooled the title of like it, right. not a first round strategy guide, but it's like this is a variable race game, right? So each each race has different powers, um, and just by nature of that, they're going to have different types of strategy guides right. that make sense for them. I mean, our barony episode is for wildly separate. different yeah. from everything else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, yeah, we were, we, by, by the midway point, we were just starting to play with the structure of the guides themselves yeah. because the, the, the sort of checklist we had been writing kept not fitting in with certain factions. And so we would have to complete, we'd have to go back to the drawing board and just like, okay, well, how do we define this faction in completely new ways? Um, so what, what the other thing you see that turn into is us like realizing more and more and more that. There are tons of options that every faction has at their disposal. Right. To, to a certain extent, for us to give a guide where we're going to recommend one idea is sort of ridiculous because this game doesn't function on that level. Right. Um, which is why by the end, you hear us always saying, we're going to suggest the most conservative. In the first guides, we were doing the same thing, but we were calling it the best option. You know, th this is what you need to do as x -cha. But by the end, we had to say, this is the most conservative thing you can do as the Hakan. Right. Um, because by that point, we had decided we can nothing is like a, you know, sacrosanct, like, proven going to win every time, except well, for maybe so, Soul. Th there's so <laughs> many, yeah, exactly. Soul is just kind of different. But uh, there's so many moving parts in the game that... You could totally take all of our strategy guides 
and be like, I'm going to go by this like to the T and lose a lot right. because you're playing based on a static yep. idea of two people talking about the game and not the very real dynamic right. situation that is actually playing Twilight Imperium. But I'll say this. I think that if, if we could do it all again, mm-hmm. um, I probably would have wanted to do more episodes like how we did the Barony episode. Right. I think we kind of had two these two modes. With Barony, we, I mean, the amount of work we put into that episode, like compared to Multiple everything else, days. is really insane. <laughs> it, and I think it's because b- both me and you just kept looking at it and being like, uh, it's I, not enough. Well, like, <laughs> like, I would just poke and prod at it and be like, what about this? What about this? And then we just beat it out into like four yep. episode chunks. But like, Honestly, that's probably more like it was either we were going to do that with every race and right. it was going to take forever and we would still be on like the fifth or sixth right. race. Right. Or we pick one of those slices, one of those ideas for each um, faction and then just kind of be like, all right, which one do we feel like is the safest one right. of all of these? Right. But honestly, Baron, the second we did the Barony episode, that kind of blew my mind yeah. as far as like how ridiculous this whole like way of doing it kind of was was, yeah yeah yeah. like i feel like we learned a lot in doing that episode if you really listen back to all of them there's so many different uh attitudes that we take yeah basically if i had one takeaway for you the listener to have from all of these and from this episode it's sort of like those guides, I think they're useful, and, I, and I'm glad we did them. I'm glad we kind of were, we were able, for brand new players especially, who come to the table and go, I don't even know what the Sardak Nor is. Right. I need some kind of roadmap. Right. I think it is useful for that. For more experienced players, you're going to know that in any game, you got to roll with the punches. Right. So you, you will not be able to follow any of those guides to a T, and, and to some extent, not at all. Like, there were multiple times where I told myself, I'm going to try out this strategy with this faction. But then I would get a certain tech specialty in my pie slice and be right. like, no, I have to see how far this other thing can go because I have the opportunity to do it. Oh, and can we talk about like how crazy it is to even play Twilight Imperium the way that we had been playing it? Like, right. Like sitting down to play a game of TI with like, like I would do this thing where the first game I would play with the faction, I would be like, all right, let's try and get the faction tech. Yeah. Because we got to know. You just know, know if it's good the, enough. Because you, you can't just theorycraft everything. Like, right. Like, the, the economy of the game is so important. Right. That, like, there are things that aren't going to sound that great. Like, I had to try the Muat, like, supernova yeah. uh, thing. And I didn't. I never liked it. And, like, mm. I didn't like the idea of it. I would read it, and I'd be like, this is such a goofy ability. But sometimes we did those things, and we were pleasantly surprised. Like, right. So you that's always true. have that's to true. test it. So that's the thing is, yeah, we were doing science with all of these factions, and doing science in TI is exhausting because there are so many variants thrown at you that you can't do perfect science. Right. This is why we always dog on the the hard work that the people doing the TI rankings are doing. You know, they're trying to take as much information as they can and it's it's something we should all keep doing. Always submit your games to the TI rankings. Right. But the point is you need tens of thousands of games before you actually find any true trends. Right. Uh, and so even within ourselves, you know, for me as a player, I need to play a thousand games before I know the truth of, of something because that there are that many variables in every single individual game. You can never, you know, know 
one thing works. Oh god, and then applying what you just said to like all of the strategy guides, yeah. like they are all wildly different in the amount of research that was done for them, especially right. the stuff towards the beginning. A Extra. lot of those guides are not based on very much I, like I was, research. Well, I was trying to like you know, the past few weeks I've been like trying to re-listen to some old ones and just like make sure I know where we were. And more than anything, I was pulling up our outlines. Hunter and I type up an outline and we talk through the episode before each episode uh, when we record it. And, you know, we ha- so we have all the outlines for every guide we did. Except for Xcha, just doesn't exist. There just is no outline. We were just going completely like rogue. Are you serious? There is no Xcha outline. Either we deleted it. Or I'm pretty sure it just never existed. We were just like, what are we going to talk about? And that I don't was know, the like, first one that, that we That was did. the very first one we did. So we just, so literally what we're telling you is that <laughs> over the course of these episodes, it went from me and Matt are literally just sitting here Vamping. saying yeah. what we think off the top of our heads. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. To like, I wish, I mean, we should probably post like the Barony, like, like outline outline because it's insane it's madness. it's so much it's so much detail it's probably honestly that document's probably better than even the episode because there's so much information in that episode that it's <laughs> yeah. probably after a while your head is just like we I contradict ourselves because we go on tangents but the, right. the 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 structure of the outline itself is actually a little bit more reliable yeah um well so what like what kind of trends do we feel like we noticed yeah. Like there are some things I feel like we've realized in playing as much as we have that seem to be true like kind of across, across the board. board. Like yeah. like things that where it doesn't really matter what faction you're playing, if you can right. do this and this, that tends to go well. Right. Uh, I think the almost obvious one is uh is tech. Yeah. And like starting with tech. Right. Starting with two tech. Starting yeah. with tech that ha- where there's an efficient tech. I path think it's I it. think it's a weird balance of like I already the factions that have two tech, I think if they didn't have two tech, they are all still crazy powerful factions right. but it there is something to be said for if you start with two tech you are halfway through one of the objectives whereas everyone else is a quarter or zero percent of the way through <sighs> completing an objective so yeah the, the starting tech is hugely important uh starting units is a big deal too i mean that's why we eventually came to like we wanted to have a definition for 2c4i we we right. we, we realized as we were going along that it was very important to define have a definition of what does it mean to have the the optimal start and 2c4i is what that became so anyone with 1c any amount of i you have a problem you have to fix round one. And knowing that about your faction, being able to look at the back of your sheet and go, two carriers and like no dreadnought or not, nothing to carry other units, that's my first problem I need to solve. Right. And I think that is a generic truth that works with everyone that if you just, if you, for any new player that looks at a sheet, if you see one carrier, that's something you need to fix round one. Right, right. Um, sa- same goes for like, you know, two infantry. Okay, I need I need two more infantry at least or whatever. Um, and if you start with one tech, you know you need to figure out what your path is going to be very quickly because you start with a or limited if, access. Or if you start with zero tech. Or if you start um, with zero. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like how, how have we seen uh, that it, how does it feel like it's shaking up as far as how are people winning games yeah. like across the board what what do we see as like trends with how do people win twilight imperium really right um i think the the, the my favorite trend seems to be how much more important infantry has become yep uh, i've i've gotten to a point i've gotten to a point where i'm trying to get infantry too with just every faction just to see yeah just to see what happens mentac let's see what happens when i get infantry too 
because the pro- the problem with the green tree is neural is amazing. Daxiv is pretty good if you're going for infantry too. Right. Infantry two is the best unit upgrade in the game. Right. Uh, hypermetabolism is amazing. The only weak point in the green tree is the final point that you don't need. Like, you right. don't, you just don't go for x89 and you're fine. Right. But, like, everything else in there is powerful, so every faction can technically do pretty well if you just go for green. Yeah. Now, that ignores a lot of your, you know, Mentech can do much, much better if they go for yellow and get mirror computing. Sure. But I do think that, like, getting infantry, we realized, is just hugely important, and the factions that already have innate abilities that make their infantry even better getting infantry too just completely clinches games for you you, yeah. you you can become an unstoppable force and it's it's mostly just because you can then make a mechatol play yeah. and like actually make it work right basically any other faction has a lot of trouble keeping mechatol but if you've got killer ground forces and you move in it's yours and you don't need to like freak out about trying to get imperial before you lose mechatol now you just have mechatol and sometime you might you know, have access to Imperial and you're going to get a free point out of it. Whoop-dee-dee. I want to, uh, actually, I want to go on a quick tangent real quick. I, I want to know, like, off the top of our heads, what do we feel like was the race that we called the wrongest? Like, that that in in our learning about the game, our idea of how that faction was going to play and how it actually played and how our actual experiences playing mm. that that faction, which one swung the most, do we feel like? For for me, I think I sort of, I can't say this is wrong, but I think I misrepresented the Nalu Collective. Yeah. Pretty severely. Um, I do think gumming up the works is an important thing for them to do, but because I put such a focus on that, I think newer players will miss the bigger point, which is... The Nalu Collective have this ability that allow them to score points earlier. So as long as you are having a good game all around, mm-hmm. the only other thing you need to do is slow down your opponents. Right. Because you will score before them. So as long as, long as you can make sure they're doing a little bit worse than you, you're just going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like my focus on the Nalu episode got too much on like, how do I make sure you gum up people's works? But when you play Nalu, you don't actually just sit there and like, bleed into everyone's territory with your fighters you don't have time to do that you do that when it is advantageous and when you can't and yes you do rush for neuroglave so that at the very least they don't get into your works but it's not like you're just flooding the entire board with fighters You, you you don't you won't have the production capacity you won't have the command counters to do that um and so i think that was my biggest mistake was was sort of selling the Nalu as though they're just going to be able to completely screw up everyone's game and win in the meantime. It's like, no, 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 you need to play a solid game as Nalu, and if you play solid and keep your closest competitors a little bit behind you, that's where you'll clinch a victory. You got excited about what the Nalu can do that no one else can. And it's because it and came it became it came right off the back of me playing against Nalu where mm-hmm. they gummed up my works. It shut down it, by round 3. I was done. It was over. There was nothing else I could do because any action I wanted to take was going to cost me a command counter. Yeah. It is devastating if Nalu just decides, I'm just going to invade that person's pie slice because I have Neuroglyph now and now I just can do whatever I want. And it's going to constantly cost them a fleet supply, which means 
units and command counters and everything you need. And yeah, it was it was absolutely horrible. But in that game, that Nalu player didn't even win. So it's hard to say like that's a winning strategy. It's just a terrifying thing to be up against. And so my guide was hugely influenced off of just like how afraid I was of what Nalu could be capable of if that got out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about you, Hunter? You didn't make any mistakes? Um, I mean, I think if you listen to uh, the ar- the this this arc of the show, uh, we sound like so stupid when it comes to Soul Federation of Soul. Uh-huh. If you actually listen back to be- to the beginning, we're like, we don't get it. What's yeah, good yeah, about yeah, it? yeah, right. And it's so it, it. I think it makes uh, both of us. I like to throw both of us under of the course. bus. I don't like to just throw myself. Um, <laughs> I think it it uh, was tough on our credibility that we didn't get it. Right. And that that we did once we did get it, we have since then just been like, wow, so they're really ridiculous. good. Wow, yeah. they're yeah, almost we almost went from being like, I don't think they're that good to like they're broken, dude. Like and yeah. I think I think that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um I'll, I'll say this. I'm trying to be more open about my relationship with the Yin Brotherhood nowadays. Uh I do I do think <laughs> How dare we you. were we were here here's where my reaction to the Yin Brotherhood came from. It was when the game first came out all anyone wanted to talk about was how cool it is to th- blow up your destroyers and kill other people's stuff. So initially, my reaction was, that's ridiculous. That's definitely bad. Right. So I cannot be another person that tries to suggest Yin is good because everyone's going to assume I'm talking about how good devotion is. But devotion isn't the good ability, and it took a while before we decided to settle in and really dig into Yin and decide you know, some new terms to to define them on. And I think the end result is a pretty good faction. I just never want people to be, I don't want new players to be misled into thinking the terrorist, aggressive approach of what seems natural for Yin, that is bad. That is a bad strategy. But there's another route that is very good with Yin and you have to just not play into your first instinct. Mm-hmm. And so it's things like that I'm glad we turned around on over the course of the guide. So you're glad that we don't feel the same way about yin. Like just for the record so that we just have it. So are we retiring the yin bit? Like is that done now? No, I'll never retire the bit. Yeah, I'll, you know I'll, what? I'll, I'll, Dude, I'm, I'm tired of hearing thing. you talk like It's here's, like you've been converted. Here, no, okay? here's the thing. Here's Indoctrinated. The thing. I can like... I can like the Yin Brotherhood, but I'll always hate Jada Paik. So uh, it's easy. So now it's there's two different se- there's two different parts of the Yin lore. Right. And so, uh, so our, our mortal enemy is Jada Paik. So I I can continue. So there's the Matt Brotherhood and then the Jada Exactly. There are two come join the Mata us. and Jada Brotherhoods. <laughs> come join the Matahood of Yin, please. That would be cool if we, we had We a- are the we are the Yang Brotherhood. Sure. Thank All right. You. Yeah. That, He's the Yin Brotherhood. We're yeah. the Yang Brotherhood. Right, right. I would like to play a game uh, with Jada where you're both playing as the Yin Brotherhood. <laughs> that would be really fun. Uh, and yeah, he can, he can play, he can lean into devotion uh-huh. as much as he wants. And you can Well, he like, can no. do it about four times and then his fleets are gone. So. <laughs> well, yeah. So we still feel pretty spicy about the Yin. That, that has not really changed. Um, what do you feel like, like what guide do you feel like took the most out of you? Like that was hard. Like, like the one that ghosts of Creus. Oh man. That one was so crazy for you. Yeah. That was I really hated, hard. I hated that. Uh, because that was the one where I was trying everything 
And it wasn't just that it was like, ah, oh, I didn't get a win. It was like, I tried it and I got dead last. My game yeah. was terrible. What is the secret to these guys? Like that one was, it was, uh, that was the part of the show where I was like, why am I even, why am I even here? Like I, if I can't do anything with the Ghost of Creus, how do I have any leg to stand Dude, on? Dude, and you're on like I'm, a hot streak right now. Of right, life. right, exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm doing really well, but there was a period there where I was like, I hadn't won a game in a couple months and couldn't even do well at all as ghosts. And I was just like, I don't have any right to be doing this podcast. I miss I, I'm my hot streak. I, when <laughs> I had a hot your streak. Your hot streak was early, yeah. Yeah, man, I loved my hot streak. <laughs> what was your weak point? Um, my, oh, I mean, that Muat guy yeah. nearly, nearly took took me yeah <laughs> um, and you know what didn't i do sardak and muat back to back yeah it, well that's the thing is it was like muat into sardak into hakan like we didn't realize we saved like some of the most difficult ones for last you had always assumed hakan was going to be easy yeah so i just thought hakan was going to be like a joy right like like can relief at the end of the tunnel of muat sardak we had built up like uh, the the way that we were covering the factions had evolved so much yep. but, that by the time we got to hakan i was like this is gonna be yeah. like an essay. Yeah, like this yeah. is like I, this is like a term paper <laughs> right. now. We like should've... when we started, like we said, we don't even know where the extra yeah. outline is. Right. <laughs> so like when we started, we were just shooting from the hip. Whatever. <laughs> I, I feel like in the extra guide, we didn't even really cover their faction abilities as like. I don't know that we did because yeah. I man, I enjoyed the heck out of their faction abilities right. when we did that stream. Where remember I won on stream. Yeah, that's something I've done. Oh wait, you've done that too. <laughs> I've done that, man. Twice. <laughs> You've done that twice? You've done it twice. You ha you. There's the one that you don't call a win. You're Sardak when you refuse to call a win. Oh, yeah. No, I don't count wins unless you get all the way. All the points. Yeah. <laughs> all the points. It's just a weird little thing. Just a weird thing. <laughs> it's like, I only count a win if you get all the points <laughs> that you need to win. Well, so um, I want to cover, I want to go back. We were talking about like... A, like more generalizations we can make. You know, we, we talked about like, we realized infantry are really good. What are other... I think we realize there are branches of factions. Yeah. So I don't want to categorize, I don't want to call this a, a tier list we would eventually do because within each section I'm talking about, there's very good factions and very bad factions. Mm -hmm. But you have your infantry-focused factions that right. I kind of all deem as Mechatol-based because if you are great with infantry, there's almost no reason not to go for Mechatol. Yeah, it's right. really silly too. If you go back and listen to the Saul episode, uh, I keep doing this thing in it where I'll be like, you can, yeah, so you, you need to get gravity drive and you need to get ready to go after Mechatol or some something other system else. that like, might why? be good. And it's like, why? Else. I don't know why I kept building that. We had so much uncertainty all yeah. the time where we would just be trying to... We were to... terrified of the errata. Right. We are afraid of you all. Right. I want you to know how afraid of you all we are. <laughs> Every time we say anything, we're like, you know what, how though? could this get eroded on us? I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid though. anymore. Like, that's the thing is like, we have been, we have been wrong so many times. Yep. And, you know, I, I still like... I still get like some fire in my heart for like some of the things like I mean one of the things that I got really wrong was uh if you listen to the Arborec episode I rep recommend diplomacy Yikes. picking diplomacy which is something that I, I recommended diplomacy a couple times too like Mentak I rep recommended it and yeah now that is completely the meta is so against yep. like it's so just the opinion and I get it too because when someone else would pick diplomacy I would be like man I'm gaining a lot out yeah. of this and that's right. the thing that's it's like I get the logic now yeah but it just sucks that that you know there is a recording of me out there saying diplomacy is pretty good right yeah. I completely disagree with yeah. that yeah now. there's plenty of other routes with Arborek to get that seven 
dollars that you need. Well, I mean, I think it just comes down to like, yeah, that seven dollars though. If you're getting it through diplomacy, is, how much how are much, you giving up? Right. Like you're yeah. letting everybody make so much money yeah, round that's one. That's true. That's true. Um, I I think the other branch that we sort of discovered. I almost just want to call this the X child branch, but like Jolnar can can do this if they want. So there's, can Mentak. There's and yeah, so can Mentak. There's there's the PDS factions basically, and the, the idea that PDS are pretty amazing if you get them in the right areas, if you if you stack them up just right. Um, but the the problem there is it's kind of purely defensive. So the big scary point for me with X Chai is always if you focus too much on just PDS, you'll never score any points. Yeah. And so the factions that are really good are the ones that can get the PDS out there and also score points. That's why Mentak is such a good PDS race. It's like you still also have these cruisers that go out and do crazy shenanigans while having a really well-defended Pyslice. Well, honestly, it's fitting that there aren't that many races that we would classify right. as PDS races because that's the whole thing that makes it a viable strategy. The people right. that are good at it, um, construction is generally up for grabs. Yep. And like, right. if you that, that's the thing I like about actually going PDS is... It feels like in most games, if you want to be the one that goes PDS, you're like, well, I'm going to get it. I'm going like, to, yeah, I'm going to There's not as much competition really well for that. that. If I feel like I need to get two tech in a round, well, uh, better take politics this right. round, you know, like, you don't have to worry about construction. You can right. be last and you'll probably get it. Like, right. there's, a ch- there's a chance someone else will take it. I don't want to, sometimes don't get me. New players love construction, too, in general, I've. I've found. Yeah. Just, it takes a few games before you're like, construction is not that great. Right. Unless I'm like digging into it. Right. Um, I, I think another path, another branch that we kind of uncovered for ourselves is is just the like, the people that can do tech comfortably. Yeah. The, everyone needs to be getting tech, but we had some guides where it's like, oh, you're going to have to go out of your way to get two tech and two colors, and it's going to be really uncomfortable to pull that off. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the factions where it's just kind of like, you know, Barony Aletnev and Jolnar, uh, they just get whatever tech works best for them. You never get anything out of the way, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you have to get Majin or something like that. But in most cases, you're you're just getting... What fits into your streamlined approach of like, I'm going to need this tech and look at that. It's right there along the yeah. way and, and everything just works. Mentech is a great tech race. Every, you know, get some yellow, get your cruiser twos, like everything flows into each other. God, we've been and, seeing so much mirror computing lately yeah, too. Like yeah. I just feel like all the time, all it's the, the time. It's, there's it's no so reason not to. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially because there was a period there where I think, I think there was a period where we were afraid of Mentech not doing so hot because there were a couple games where we had trouble getting trade goods, but that has flipped back around. Similar to like how our Hakan thing, our storyline with Hakan was like there was a period where people really dogged on Hakan and didn't let them get away with anything, mm-hmm. and now we're back to sort of an equilibrium. Right. Mentak has had that same thing happen. Mentak is back to making money in our group. They don't make gobs and gobs and gobs of money, but like you're getting some trade goods off of a couple people per round. I think it's just sure. really useful that Mentech has that pre-fire ability and so they don't have to invest as much energy into yep. fleets. Right. So like they they can make do with cruisers through the mid game. Right. They don't have to they don't have to gun for a big fleet. In general actually I kinda want to talk about fleets like overall yeah. for the game. Yeah. I feel like fleets, the stock in fleets, in my eyes, has gone down a little bit. Yeah. It's, they are worse than in in TI three for sure, and yeah. and even just in our minds for TI four over the course of it. Yeah, I I tend to not care very much if I don't have enough ships because it's like 
at some point, if I get enough ground forces on planets, I'll have a round at some point where I can pump out one good fleet. Right. And I'll win the game with my one good fleet. Right. But, like, getting ground forces out there and at the very least just defending my pie slice enough tends to be all that I need. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like all of the all of the factions that are a little less, like, fleet-heavy kind of their stock i feel like rose a little bit mm. everybody across the board except for like just the poor man right. factions and then all of the the factions that are kind of fleet specialists i'm thinking l1 barony goes to creus even right. like right. i feel like their stocks went down a little bit it's not the same across the board and i'm not no. saying that barony or l1 are bad but generally factions. speaking fleets don't earn you as many objectives right as all the other mechanics of the game yeah do. um the the last branch is sort of the the idea that there's just these factions that you get ahead in economies. We talked about this with, like, I, I said this with the Yin Brotherhood in that the Yin Brotherhood don't have this. The Yin, right. Yin Brotherhood do not have any innate way of making some sort of economy. For some factions, it's command counters, like the Necro or Soul. You just, like, get more command counters than anybody else, and that's a part of the game you don't have to worry about, right. so you get to expend more effort into other areas of the game. Hakan, theoretically, trade goods, right. attack the same thing. <laughs> Isn't that crazy though? That's yeah. that's such it's such a change from how we used to think right. about Hakan. When you bring up Hakan getting trade goods, there is this, there's a question. Yeah, that's <laughs> there's a, a question. question. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I think about Isarl having action, action cards, cards is a having huge just deal. more than any, anybody else. Any faction that starts with neural motivator, yeah, that's a boon to them. Or oh, if, sure. if it's like an obvious first tech grab for some factions to get neural. The other thing too is like, re, you know, Barony and their resources. That's a big deal. The fact that Barony just always have this amazing $6 at their yeah. disposal. Yeah. And, and the, you know, two, two extra fleet supply. That's two extra command counters through the course of the game. Like just people that don't have to worry about certain economies. You get to pull off a lot more fun stuff. All the factions that really lack in economies like Winu. Uh, Sardak to a certain extent, um, Arborek early, you know, these things that struggle with different economies, they're the ones that you find yourself having trouble winning games because you're constantly combating against the economy of the game mm -hmm. in addition to the other players. Because Soul doesn't have to worry about command counters, you can focus all of your energy on taking out your opponents. Yeah. And and you, you see weird balances there. Uh, I wonder... What do you think about uh, the overall, like, kind of, I don't want to start talking about tier lists, but I want to no. talk about the overall balance of the factions. How do you, how balanced do you feel we are at? Because I, I feel like a lot of the factions got better. Like, I yes. feel like there's a majority factions are just good. Yep. But the factions that are stinkers, I feel like stick out more yes. like sore thumbs I think, now. I think you have your S tier. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point of, really, I'm only willing to call Soul and Jolnar S tier. Sure. Then you have a really huge... Everything. Yeah, everything like else. Lots of good factions would go in that next tier. Exactly. Like, because... Because all of those factions do extraordinarily well based on a bunch of different circumstances. Yeah. And then you have your low tier. And that's yeah. it. You have three tiers. You have S. You have basically everyone. There's a little bit of variance in there. But yeah. there's so many factors that change that variance. Right. And then you have like Winu, Sardak, Sardak Muwat. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. 
sometimes I think ghosts is down there, but they're not. I just they're not had a lot of trouble with them. Right, right. <laughs> sometimes I, I'm still even not on the boat that Sardak is really down there. I think Sardak can have decent games um, if. I mean, basically, if the tech objectives don't come out. Right. <laughs> then, then if you're, you're okay if the tech objectives don't come out, um, compared to, like, Muat actually has, like, some significant problems to overcome. Right. Sardak Nor can get, like, has good tech that they could eventually get. They start with a good start. They have a good home system. They, you know, th- there are things that they can pull off that help them compared to Winu and Muat. Yeah. And so I, I really put those two on the bottom yeah, that Sardak Dreadnought is so cool. Yeah. It's really cool. That can that can be a game changer for you. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so yeah, I I think there's there's also we were trying to come up with more ways to define just like generalizations of these these factions. Um and one thing I wrote down is just that like you've got factions that start strong and peter out, and you've got factions that start weak but can snowball. Should we, we t- talk about the SAR thing? at all like the just the the pattern that we're seeing of like the sar story being so defined yeah you know like i mean it's it's i feel like that's a pattern and right we've seen it so many times now right. that it's becoming like a cliche to talk about how sar you know flies around the map get is very strong early yep. and then just, just like kind of always it. falls off yeah like almost every time right yeah there's something about you you swing too hard early because it's like, I got so much money. I can just get like these gigantic fleets. And I think maybe what we'll start to see is Sarp are more willing to bank a bunch of trade goods so that they can hold on yeah. later on. There's going to have to right. be some strategy where it's like, it's not all just about the Sarball. You do need a backup space stock out there because you need to be able to hold on for the late game. But then at the same time, a lot of times Sar still wins early, so it's like it's still a good strategy to just push really, really hard because right. a lot right. of games you just win. It will happen. Um, the the I think the best way we defined this was Hunter, you said every single faction has a cone. Yeah. Every faction has the different ways they could win. Right. And this is where we were saying earlier, you know, we we tried to suggest the most conservative approach, but there's always more approaches with every single faction. But Jolnar has this ridiculously wide cone that just covers pretty much everything in the game. Right, because, well, because obviously the tech VPs are, they're not even, you don't even you think, don't about, think it. about it. And, you don't think about it, and you get them And you probably are going to get trade goods automatically because e siphons is right there on your way. Sure, and you could sell your research pr- promise For more money, for more. like, you just yeah. don't have to worry about anything. Compare that to the Winu, where it's like, you have the most narrow right. cone of anything imaginable. It's weird because when we talk about it in that way, I realize that the soul cone is actually pretty narrow. Or at right. least the ideas that people put into practice is narrow. Right. It's just that it's such a strong play right. that so, it, we just see a lot of success. Soul has a longer cone. It yeah. is still very narrow, <laughs> but it takes them a very long distance. Right, right. Um, I, 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 I think that will be an interesting way to maybe try to to, uh, to structure a tier list. I think going forward, something I would like to do in the future is like regularly put out just like stupid tier list, just like a tier list that ranks all the factions based on this criteria. Right. And I right. think a cone criteria faction tier list will be useful. Yeah, it will be interesting to look at the factions and not necessarily break down like how strong we feel like their options are, just like how, how many, many options right. how many they things seem to have. Do, right? Yeah. Because when it comes down to it in TI, having a bunch of options could just lead to victory because it's like, well, I can always change course. I can always try right. something different. Right. Whereas Winu, you, you just, when you don't get your thing, you don't have your thing and your cone doesn't go any wider and okay, 
darn, that game didn't work out for Winu. But any weak faction with a wide cone could maybe still pull off some maneuvers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I mean, what, where do we want to go with this next? What is what is what do we feel like? I don't know. With with the guides and everything that we've done thus far, what are some things that like there? There's it's obviously a flawed thing to do what right. we've done. Right. Uh, it you know there's no way you can really capture all the randomness of the game. Yeah. Um, but also like me and you, we're like, we as people. players, we right. are just two people. And so we only play as ourselves. Right. So, right. This came up in my ghost guide. Uh, and I, I kind of think I mentioned it in the yin guide, but, but yeah, the idea that like people know I'm a, I'm a somewhat aggressive player just by nature. Like I cannot stop myself from gunning for every single VP that is available to me, even if it sacrifices a lot of my board position. That's why I'm so proud of my Arborette game from the other day, because it's like one of the few times I've told myself, no, you have to stop and you have to wait a minute. But generally speaking, I push so hard, and that makes some factions work less for me. And it also right. shapes a lot of my guides. A lot of my guides get written from a perspective of someone who is trying to gun for things. So like my Mentac guide, I think that pds can be very good as mentac but i definitely didn't talk up pds very much in that guide because it's not something i tried to its fullest extent i didn't right. just try to do a full pds mentac and that could totally work as mentac i have no idea i'm not that right kind of player to do it and so i i'm, I'm really curious to see and i would love to see suggestions from different types of players to give us you know completely new takes on factions that are coming from a non-mat perspective right um i want to ask this actually here's here's something i'm thinking about what do you feel like as players like what do you recognize as what would be my like achilles heel as a player like what do you think is the thing that i run up up, up against the most and i'm gonna I'll, i i'm bringing up the topic so i'm gonna let you think about what mine is but i'm gonna go ahead and say what i think yours is okay uh i feel like the thing that has kind of changed the game for you with Twilight Imperium 4 is command counter economy. Yeah. Because I feel like how things used to work for you is that you were better at striking for every VP yep. possible, but doing it in such a way where we couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Right? So, like, now it feels like if you're playing um, a a faction that struggles with command counter economy or doesn't have like a good access to lots of command counters. Maybe they have other priorities that they have to get done. I feel like you complain about this with ghosts a lot. I, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> then that limits you a lot more because, than it would limit a normal other player. Right. I think that, it, yeah, I think it forces you because you always like to strike out as, as for VPs in the way that you do. I'm overly opportunistic. And so and, I need the right. fuel for opportunity, which is, Actually, command counters right. like that. When it comes down to it, your 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 opportunity um, to strike at someone and them not be able to strike back at you or do anything about it, right. it all comes down to command counters. Yep. And the thing is, what will happen is that even if your command counter economy isn't going well, you will manage it to the point of like, well, I can still make the play, yep. and I'm still gonna do. I it. have one fleet supply, but right, right. <laughs> even though you can't because the the economy isn't working for you you can't prevent other people from getting... I feel like in TI3, the way it worked out is you were able to do that. I remember yeah. it would be more like you would activate a space and then, well, 
that's darn darn yeah, yeah. but yeah. that but that's not in the cards for every faction anymore right. there's some factions that where that is technically true yeah but i feel like those are the ones that you struggle the most with. for sure um i think for you um I, i'm having trouble coming up with a good achilles heel for you but I, what, what Cause I th- i'm just the best because you're just because i'm just the best uh, what i think i see more often with you though in other games is it's more of a meta thing and it's you this is mostly directed at me mm-hmm. because of how much we've played with each other right um but you like to make more assumptions about what someone may or may not pay for something um and i think other players are willing to experiment and are willing to ask mm-hmm. a lot of players are just like you know you want to give me three trade goods for for this promissory note and mo- most of the time it's like no what are you kidding me three promissory or three right, trade right. goods that's not worth it right but then at least they're asking and and it keeps this bargaining thing on the table yeah and a lot of times you will will finish a game and and whether you won or not there will be a play where you're like oh, i just felt like i didn't have any other choice but to make that offer to you and in my head i'm thinking mean i don't know if you'd made the offer i have no idea how i would have felt about it in the moment right, because right. it also doesn't take into account people you know how people sort of put on the blinders to certain things in games and so you just forget that you needed those two trade goods for something else and when when joel nars shows up and says here's here's my promissory note will you give me two trade goods you go oh yeah i would love to have the joel nars promissory note and then one round goes by and you go ah no i needed those two trade goods to get a victory point and now i'm behind right and, and if you had just put yourself out there to make the deal people would be willing to take you up on it and you might make more than you think you can make. You know, I agree. I think that uh, I have kind of gotten to this weird, like different space in TI where I'm more interested in the factions that can like kind of issue ultimatums less than the factions that wheel and deal. Right. Because I just feel like I can... I. I can't negotiate as well as I used to. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I I am not. Uh, I'm much better now at recognizing an opportunity where I have the upper hand and taking advantage. Yeah, and I actually feel like I like that type of play more. I used to love Hakan Ti three, but I think now that when it comes to negotiating, things are more complex. I've actually realized I'm not as much into yeah. negotiation. Well, that, I think that's why Hakan was your favorite TI3 race, because TI3 Hakan was holding people over the barrel. Right. I've got two, three-cost right. trade agreements. You're not going to get a better deal. And so you always... That was the power of Hakan. That's not the power of Hakan anymore. No, the power of Hakan is you have the most access to wheeling and dealing, but you didn't actually wheel and deal in TI3. You were just very good at holding people over that barrel. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that's that's true. Um, what in the guides, Hunter, are you most proud of? What do you think you nailed and has continued to be true? Or, or what is something you think like you uncovered that you hadn't heard people talking about before we did and, and you're just really glad got out there? What, what what are you most proud of? Well, it was I mean I I really liked uh, the necro guide uh, because we got to kind of break the way that the the flagship actually operated yeah. because there were so many questions about right. it um, and that that is actually how it worked with the whole the a million I mean, ground forces amazing <laughs> defensive unit that it is yeah I thought that was cool it was good uh being able to say hey this is how soul works even though now it feels really obvious yeah um 
at the time there weren't that many people right like driving that point home people were saying that they were really strong but it like figuring out how they worked uh that felt really good um i like i like the muat episode in the end like i like what it became but it took a lot out of me to get it to where it was right um i do i do feel like the muat episode like this is your best shot at it i think it's just a really hard (laughs) really hard faction to play yeah um but yeah of all the of all the guides i feel like those are the ones that i feel the most proud of i also just like i think um my taste in factions have changed yeah, now. Like, absolutely. Kind of kind of buoying off of that last point. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like I like different factions. I'm really into Necro these days. Yeah. Like I like Right. I like Necro and I didn't really care for Necro in TI3. Yeah, and you and you and you no longer really care for Hakan, which is just I mean, like the biggest surprise yeah, it's in the like, world. It's like I'm just not I you know what it is, is my the the time sensitive nature of wheeling and dealing I am more interested in like making a quick play. Yeah. And I also feel like I don't like to reveal as much about myself. That's the problem. So yeah. that's what it comes down to is that when you're Hakan, you kind of have to like just be an open book. You have to be an open book with people. Like we we've talked about how there are those people that have that that like I show all of my action cards yep. all the time. Yeah. Like that's terrifying. I realize that I am more into being a pretty secretive and deceptive player. Yeah. And now if you want to be heavy negotiation, you kind of have to be more and more open, especially yep. with I feel like the way the meta has evolved. Right. Um and so now I'm just more into the races that like th- like they get a thing and now you have to deal with it. Yeah, like yeah. I love the <laughs> X Child with PDS network. Like, that is just I love Extra with their full-on PDS ne- network and flagship because that is just like a, a resource that lasts forever. Right. Like, right. As long as those exist, they're great. Yeah. Uh, what about? Um, I talked about my my regrets. Yeah. What, what are you most proud of? Okay. We need to talk about sure, that. Sure. Sure. We need to talk about what you feel like is the best that we did. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm trying to think of if I liked the Winu or Ghost guide in the long run? Because I'm trying to think of, did, was it worth all, all of the, the pain? All the pain. And I don't know if I'm most proud of those, but I am really, even though it just came out last week, I'm really proud of that Yin guide. I'm proud of it too, dude. It, I, like, it, I think you did a really good job. It took me a long time to accept what was truly great about the Yin, to, to even my own fault. Like I think there were plenty of people who knew what was good about Yin months ago, but the thing is, we had decided pretty early on that we were saving the Yin for the end. Right. So I hadn't been playing Yin games hardly at all for, for almost all of these you know number of months. And, and Yin doesn't get chosen that often, probably partially because we dog on them so much. So everyone who listens to the podcast just assumes, oh, yeah, they're, then they're definitely not worth picking. Right, right. And so we just had not seen hardly any games with them. And then the first two games I played were train wrecks. I mean, they were really horrible. Yeah, you really messed up. Um, but, but coming to the realization of, like, where the real power in them is felt really satisfying. And, and I've not just done like i've won two games with them and i don't feel like i'll ever do poorly with them yeah ever. like i can't i don't really see a situation where i'm like dead last Focus- as the yin yeah focusing on ground forces in general just feels like one of the most stable strategies that yeah. you can do in twilight imperium yeah and they are they're good at that and we yeah that's right. why I, I yeah i i love where we got with uh with yin i think honestly i kind of think a yin now is like maybe the dead center like faction right. as far as like how good they are right like right in the middle of everybody right right that's there's plenty that are better. worse but there's plenty that are better 
and you just got to play a solid game. Right. Um, we talked about some of our um, some of our regrets. You know, I talked about the Nalu. You talked about Arborex su- suggesting diplomacy with Arborex. But I think the bigger thing is, and we've talked about this constantly, but Hunter and I have always been very open about how bad we are. With, with promissory notes. With promissory yeah. notes. But what I think we have learned, we, we're finally able to define it in a new way. It's not just that Matt and Hunter are bad with promissory notes and you got to tell us how to use them. Uh, this comes back to that same point, Hunter, we were just talking about of why you're like not as good with Hakan anymore right. is you got to just be willing to use them. Right. What we learned about promissory notes is when you think a promissory note isn't good, still try to sell it at every single possible opportunity right. because then you might find when people are for some reason willing. Like even if you yourself don't think you would buy it in that instance, try to sell it because someone else might. Because well, you, you don't know what's going on in their head. Exactly. Like they might find like perceive a, exactly. a need for it all trade operates sort of that way and i and i think that took us a long time to just be open to trying any sort of trade out with anyone mm-hmm. um even still now it's not like we're even great at that right at this moment but it's it's something we're starting to uncover for ourselves is like just put the deal out there and mm-hmm. see see if anyone will take you up on it don't you know never give away too much but like always be primed and ready to be to be bought or right. to or to sell something. Right. And always keep in mind what people have that they can sell you. Right. Like their abilities are sort of an extension of your own abilities yes. if you can get a hold exactly. of them. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, Which is why Jolnar should buy the Sardak racial promissory. Yes. <laughs> we haven't had that one in a while. That's a fun one. What are, what do you think is the list of all of the like Space Cats, Peace Turtles, like drinking game style right. phrases? Like what are all of those? I do, not, the I do not want to do this right Came now. Came with a wide brush. <laughs> all right. Well, actually, here I've got I've I thought of a new question. Something kind of something kind of fun and like a little bit definitive here at the end. We we've learned so much uh-huh. in our journey. Okay. What is your favorite and least favorite thing about Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition? That's fun. That's fun. Okay. All the way across specifically the with fourth with fourth edition. Um, my I'm a I'm a cynical person, so I'll start with my least favorite first. Yeah, do it. Here's here's what I have come to find out I don't love about TI Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, and it is that amongst all of these incredibly random factors and all these variables, which is why it is replayable and why it is fun, mm-hmm. they have put in a fairly static win condition. Yeah. And that win condition, it turns out, ends up being quite random. It th- This is assuming all players are on equal footing. Mm-hmm. But if all players are on equal footing, randomness will decide who gets the right secret objectives and who which public objectives favor someone else. And if you are in the right pie slice. Right. There's, there's, there's a lot of RNG yes. in the game. Um, it is so much more common for us to see one player do pretty well almost the entire game and then probably win versus the person who just like started with a pretty horrible start and oh wow they came from nothing like that we just that is so rare to see someone with the worst pie slice and never draw a single good secret objective mm-hmm. that person doesn't win you just don't win right and and that sort of feels like a limiting factor of TI it's just like I wish I don't think it's a problem that can be solved because the only way to solve it is to lose a lot of the great stuff. But I think as a player, you have to accept that part of it. And honestly, like this is my other regret of doing strategy guides in general is you just can't think of Twilight Imperium as that intense of a strategy game. 
Right. It's a it's a grand opera. Like it is it mm-hmm. is a space opera and it's bigger than having a perfect strategy. Axis and Allies has things like famous plays like Operation Sea Lion where everyone knows like the build order for it and how you do it right. and how you Right. You don't have that in Twilight Imperium. And I don't want that in Twilight Imperium. No. But it just sucks that the payoff for that is sometimes a game is just won because that guy over there got lucky. Right. Darn. Just got the right series yeah. of victory points. So I think you have to reframe your brain, and and then that doesn't seem like such a bad thing. But that's in doing the strategy, guys. That's what's given me the most pain. Well, it's like we're trying to play so strategically, and we keep getting up against. Well, that game was completely random and and right. ruined my right chance of trying that thing. And it's we just can't forget that it's also a thematic game. Right. I have the exact same least favorite as you, yeah. basically. I mean, I just I feel like I mean maybe the way I would like fluff it a little is uh victory points yeah. i wish we just had so many different more i wish there was a huge deck yeah of possible especially secret points. objectives i just yeah. want i want just double a million billion yeah. no right. i'm not even saying just you just want, I want i want more publics especially sure stage no of course publics. i want more but like i feel like i want 15 action phase secret objectives yeah i want everyone to have access to pulling off maneuvers that are worth an immediate point rather want- than like oh maybe you got one right the victory points in general seem to be the most like I think like streamlined part of the game that like I wish had so much more right. variance. To right, it. right. They they actually were very conservative with how they designed victory points. Right. And the rest of the game they were just like, and then you can do this, and Sar can build on the move, and Arborek can build on the move. But the victory points will be ten resources and eight resources and eight. Yeah, and, and just right, like right. they they stripped it down to be very simple which is is a good design but but it just makes for frustrating moments i think my favorite thing though is the flip side of that which is like our best games have been the ones where the the story of what happened is what we continue to talk about and right. that's why we started this podcast in the first place yeah is just expressing the fun of the game, not the intensity of the strategy. The strategy plays into that fun, but at the end of the day, what you remember is those plays of the week that we do every single week. And what you remember is the stuff that we feature on This Imperium Life. Like, those stories of just like, I couldn't believe my friend of 15 years would backstab me in such a heartless way. And just those, those moments stand out so much. And like, I'm so much more willing now to look for those moments and set some of the strategy aside after yeah. having done these guides. Yeah. I'm just like so anxious to do more games where it's just like, I just want to see crazy stuff happen. Yeah. In service of points, again, it has to, this is hard to suggest for new players because you can't just tell a new player, just try to have fun, like just do crazy stuff because they will do things that break the game. If, if one player is just not trying to win, it does break the game. But if everyone is feasibly trying to win and trying to make cool stuff happen, no game compares to Twilight Imperium. That's true. That's very true. Um, well, what uh, what's up with this show? What's we, we doing next? What's we've said it a hundred times. What? The show's over. Right. Oh, we yeah. We said I it. Forgot. That's forgot. it. Well, We're done. Show's well, over. Bloop. Uh, Space Cats, Peace Turtles is canceled. We're, uh, right now, we are riding into the sunset on... Is it for the running? <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Obviously, that is not true. Um, we have so many ideas yep. for episode. Honestly, I am more excited. For this the show is free now. Yes. Yeah, it <laughs> is. We're free from the confines Literally. of explaining basic stuff 
to everyone. Now, anytime someone on Reddit asks, like, what should I do as the soul? You guys can just link the episode right. and, the, and the Reddit posts of all the, like, follow-up conversations that happen and just give that to them and we can move on and talk about the crazy stuff. So... What kind of stuff Let's are tease we, them. Let's let yeah. them know what's coming up next. We, we what wanna, are we doing? We're just going to throw a list at you because we don't want to... We can't even explain these in detail because it's not ideas. We know exactly where we're going to go with them. Um, but one of them is we want to do episodes where we talk about faction matchups. And yeah. this is specific to like obvious links. You know, Hakan and Mentak. They have a crazy relationship. We barely got to touch on it in both of their guides. We would love to do an episode where it's just like, let's explore every single thing that Mentak and Hakan can do my idea with that is i want me and matt to play a series of games where we both play the exact same faction with these specific relationships and we talk about basically all the different ways it shook out and all the different like dynamics that we found between those two factions um another thing we want to do well hang on it's it's important to know in that that is not the next arc though there's no arc there is no not anymore so so everything we're about to suggest these are things that we were going to do sporadically uh and and i think for a long time the show is going to be more a little bit more free in its structure there's not just a like you know i know within a few weeks there's going to be a thing about the yin it's like no, no 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 Uh, I think the only structure we might have is we want to get better about... Uh, we, we we really were just trying to sprint for the finish line of these guides. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get back into like, hey, you know, we're supposed to do a Galactic Council episode every single month. And we want to do that. Like, we want right. to make sure that happens. We want to do uh, more roundtables. We want to do this Imperium Life more often. We said we right. would do that once right. like every other month. And it's been quite a long time since the second episode. Next week will be this Imperium Life 3 um, and we hope four is not long after. And we want to make those sorts of things more regular. So if anything, our schedule is going to start to be a little bit more cyclical and less big arcs that we try to stretch on for months and months and months. Right, right. Um, so, what? yeah, what's the next thing we want to try to do? Um, so, well, we're definitely going to do more game summaries in general. Just summaries of games yeah. that we played and talking about um, the games a little more in depth. Um, we're trying to get better at note taking when it comes to yep. games. Um, and like also kind of a neat thing we, we've come up with is we would like to have some of our um, Discord players yeah. um, play a game of Tabletop Simulator that we would stream and then commentate on. Right. Um, and then essentially take that commentary and uh, kind of unpack it as right. an episode of the show. This this is something we will probably do with the Gen Con videos as well. But Gen right. Con is on a much bigger scale. We would love to just do this as a somewhat regular thing, just to like, to the two of us as outside people, not, you know, right now we're always talking about like, well, in that game I was the Mentak and I was thinking this. It would be interesting to break down games from a completely third party perspective right. and talk about from, you know, knowing what we know about other people's hands. Well, we see that the Mentak is afraid of this happening right now, but we know that the Barony doesn't even have it or, you know, right. all of these situations right. where, you know, having that third party look at it could really change how we understand like what is actually happening within the meta. I also just feel like in doing this show, we have met so many people that play this game that have a lot of different ways of looking at it. And some of them honestly are more eloquent than we are and are like, (laughs) like have, have a better grasp on certain things. And I think it would be great if we could create some opportunities for us to just kind of like give you 
their perspective yep. as much as possible yep. in a streamlined way. Right. We want to do more roundtables with people from the community, right, right. people who have a lot to say about a particular topic, or like we said, doing these you know streamed games. If we if if there's one player that won the game, all right, let's bring them on the show. Let's right. talk about their right. success. Yada right. yada yada. Like we want to get everyone more involved in the show because I think that's when it shines the the brightest is right. when when more people are getting their their fingers in the bits. But don't think that we're not like going to be doing anything that resembles strategy guides right. in the future. Um we are really I mean obviously we're very committed to Twilight Imperium strategy and we're not going to just abandon that part of the show. Um we are probably going to as we go pick up certain factions and kind of do a one more again yeah yeah kinda another deal. take i mean i know for sure we've talked about it so much on the show how we're how dissatisfied we are <laughs> with the extra episode yeah. being the first one especially i mean there are things that we got right obviously right. um pds duh that's good uh, <laughs> right pds is good at least we weren't so bad as to be like oh, i don't know Do don't go for PDS? it don't no. go for it that'd be stupid but we are probably going to pick certain factions up and look at them in a new light yeah. as we go. That we, I can't we are wait not... to revisit like ghosts and try right. even more weird stuff with them, and right. just to to try to see like, okay, Jolnar is this freeing. Let's give a specific guide on mm -hmm. Jolnar of how to do this exact idea, things like that. Like trying to now that we've done the more generalized, like this is what we think is good. I think we're going to try to do guides where it's like this is the you know, the blank of Letnev. We right. want to go more in detail onto what it really takes to do that specific strategy. Right. And if things change, like, I think we still very much reserve the right to do a V2. Yeah. Like, yeah. everything we said, forget ignore that. It. Ignore that. Delete that from the feed. Right. It'll be gone forever. <laughs> I mean, it won't be, but obviously we like to keep our yes. mistakes <laughs> just right there. We like to air the dirty laundry. But who knows? Maybe, you know... Maybe the way that people play the game will change so much that certain factions will will just change. change like right. they just will be different. Right. Um, in addition to streaming some, you know, TTS games, uh, yeah, we want to do a tournament of our own someday. Now we haven't wanted to talk about this very much, uh, just because we got to get through Gen Con. We got to see right. what one even looks like right. before we're even willing to to like start taking a stab at it. But part of the buildup of trying to do a Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament is. We have to figure out what the correct rules are right. for that tournament. If we're going to try to have something, you know, really, really big and awesome, we want to settle on all the best possible rules. And so that's probably going to take some time. And it'll pro there will probably be plenty of episodes where we're trying to break down different approaches to race selection and, and, and whatnot. So it's going to be a project that we're working on of let's find the proper rule set for a tournament. Right. I feel like we're bringing it up here mostly because we want to put the call out. Yep. Like we want to know every everyone who's starting to to run tournaments for Twilight Imperium and I see them like popping up all here and the there. Time, yeah. Um we want to know all of the ways that you handle tournament play and tournament rules right. and race selection, all of the nitty-gritty of all that because after Gen Con we are going to have to figure out what a Space what Cats works. Peace Turtle Right tournament is yeah. going to play like. Yeah, basically. I think we'll want to do episodes where we feature. We we did you know we did kind of our house rule episode where we talked about our um, 
you know, how we divvy up the galaxy and stuff like that. But I think we're going to want to do more features and even going as far as like, if you come up with a few homebrew races, I don't know, maybe it would be fun to start just like, all right, here's, here's, you know, community expansion one. Here's like a bunch of just random ideas to throw out there, you know, some of our favorites or whatever. I think we're, we're going to slowly start doing that as, as we get further and further away from this introductory material, we're going to want to start saying, what else can you do? with your copy of Twilight Imperium? What other house rules can you implement and what other variants can you throw in I mean, in we there? already talked about last week that we have some, like, weird, weird goofy, goofy race yeah. stuff for our ourselves that we kind of just keep in a little folder. Right. But um, I think as we... Because we kind of, like, touch up on them every once in a while. Yep. And I think at some point we will probably start have putting a, that have stuff Have a release. Out. You know, Fantasy Flight, you know, still hasn't Feel let free. us all know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we've, you know, we've... if. I'll say this, if if it doesn't look like there's a Twilight Imperium expansion in the works, then uh, we'll just do one. We'll just do our own. Yeah, and not, you can't stop not free, us. Yeah, you, you can't. <laughs> as long as we do it for free, you can't stop us, yeah, right? Is yeah. that how law works? I'm not sure how law works. Know. I've never known any laws or how <laughs> any of them function. But I will say this, if, you, if Fancy Flight, I'm putting it out there. If you don't make, uh, if you don't keep throwing more Twilight Imperium at my face every couple years, then we're just going to throw Twilight Imperium at our own faces. Yeah, we'll just drown ourselves in faces. Uh, the other thing we want to do is, and th th this is some smaller stuff, but just like, I mean, I would love to do episodes specifically about the different player counts. We right. never talk about three and four player games, and that's going to be something we need to cover. We need to in talk a lot about of how different good directions. Winu is in yeah, the four player exactly, setting. Exactly, like, exactly. That needs to be talked uh, about. Also, 14 point games. I'm sure we're going to get close here to where Hunter and I start playing 14 point games way more often. Right. And so we, we're going to want to talk about how the, the game changes for different factions. My prediction based on those. Sar goes right into the toilet, yeah. <laughs> and Arborette gets better. Way better. Yeah. Right. Um, the other big one that we're super excited to try out, uh, and I think this is specifically feeding off of the strategy guides and how basically we're, I'm not going to say we're sick of playing Twilight Imperium, but like Hunter was saying, he needed like a two week break. Um, but for me, it's more that, uh, until this past week, I haven't played a different board game besides Twilight Imperium since December. Right. I have only played Twilight Imperium and I have played it. You're welcome. Two or three times a month. <laughs> But what that means is Hunter and I want to play other games. And no, we're not going to start some other podcast about some other board game. But we are so obsessed with Twilight Imperium that we can't help but look at other big strategy games and compare them to Twilight Imperium. Uh, especially TI3 is like a flagship of strategy board gaming. Mm -hmm. And so we want to, at some point, you know, play a few games of other board games. Game of Thrones board game, Axis and Allies, uh, Rex... War of the Ring, stuff like that. We want to play those. Maybe Eclipse. Eclipse, Boo. sure. Ew, gross. Boo. But maybe uh, we play those, get a few games in, and and try to do episodes where we just compare the feeling of the games. And, and you know, if it's if it's a, well, let's make recommendations to people um, on games they might like similar to TI, there's that. But then even more so, just like, let's compare what you're getting and what kind of strategy you're pulling off and what, what do we think they pulled from TI, and what do we think TI pulled from other games? That sort of stuff. We just are really into analyzing more board games. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about doing those episodes. Uh, I don't don't if if that part made you feel weird. Yeah, um, we are dedicated to giving you your weekly yep. dose of TI. 
Um, this would, do there, not worry. There would never but, be like two weeks back to back where we don't talk about TI very much. Yeah, I just think it might be fun to like kind of break down TI in that way, in a kind of critical analysis way, and look at other board games and be like, all right, what do we feel like? Like even in the documentary that um, Shut Up and Sit Down made, they mention that the Game of Thrones board game is inspired twilight imperium yeah, right that, that it or vice versa whatever it whatever that they're the two both are by christian t peterson and they are very linked off of each other right ti4 has mechanics based off of game of thrones board game. right that's right. that is certainly true um and going forward just like we're also open to suggestions of other things you want to see we've always had this you know part of the first round strategy guys is because you guys called for them so much right uh, we, we i don't think we were like that itching to do a bunch of it guides just got brought over up and but then it was, people were like yeah you should do that yeah and yeah. so we we want to just keep hearing what you guys like and and we've done that before with other things that's what the galactic council is for as well but even more so you know when, when we decided to do the agenda phase or the, the agendas episode mm-hmm. that was mostly because people were saying i really wish you guys could break down all, the, all the agenda cards. And we were like, you know what? That's a pretty great idea. So right. please always give us suggestions of episodes you'd like to see because more than likely we want to do them. Right. Uh, we've got lots of episodes to fill of this podcast and we, we have lots of huge giant brains filled with TI experience to just explore all the different territory. Um, and hopefully with all of this means maybe I can get the Board Game Geek calendar in somewhat stable array. The problem with the strategy guides was we had to finish so many games and we never knew if we were going to get enough games in to finish a particular guide. And so the the calendar kept getting thrown out of whack. But now I feel like we'll be better about planning episodes further in advance, uh, getting a little bit of pre-errata from our different Patreon supporters. And hopefully we can have a pretty regular schedule that isn't just like who knows what we're going to get next week because right. nobody's communicating any of that with us. We, we hope to be a little bit more open about like what's coming up in the future. Yeah, because like now that we're out of the first round strategy guides, like you won't know week to week like what you, it doesn't have the same like, well, we can expect Obvious, this. Like right. you, 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 it was really cool the way everyone was expecting the yin episode right. and it enabled and us to, to do, do some a big mean jerk right. thing. Right. But do we need to talk about that. Um, I feel like it's for the errata. Okay. Right. Well, and I feel like go... we're ready. Are we ready for the errata? Let's do some errata. Yeah. Oh man. Right. Nailed you. Ugh! Man. We got you. We got you. Do you feel how we got you? Do you remember when we got you? Got you so good. Yeah. we like totally pranked you, dude. You um, were like going to listen. And then we then got you. Like, Boom! Ten we minutes, got you for ten like, minutes of your day burned, and then like another another whole day. Yeah, we got you for like almost day. twelve hours, dude. Yeah. Like we got you. Feels good. Feels um, good to get. So what's the errata part? None. None. Uh, we got dope. you. We got Idiots. you. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> no, we have some real errata on the Ian Brotherhood. Uh, what sucks is because we got you so hard, you were in you were in shock. You guys were in a catatonic state, right? And you weren't able to produce quite as much errata as normal. There was more just people talking about how hard we got you. Yeah, uh, but we do have a couple of real. We errata. got you. <laughs> can wait? Can it be said once more? We got, we got you. you. And you know what? Next week we might as we might get you. We again. might just get you every week. Maybe we'll if just start easy. You every, if it's yeah. that easy to get yeah. you, we're, we're just gonna, gonna keep getting. Hey, get, you. guess what? Next week we're gonna do uh, this Imperium life, yeah. right? <laughs> all right this one's from orion eve uh and orion says let me do it my best orion eve voice yeah good 
The value of DAX of animators should not be downplayed. Its synergy with indoctrination is amazing. If an enemy planet has only one defending infantry and you invade with one of your own infantry, you pay two influence. You gain one infantry from indoctrinate, and then you gain another infantry from DAX of because you actually won the invasion without rolling a single die. This, in my opinion, increases the value of Cruiser 2 and a red skip, so you can snipe a lonely planet somewhere out there with a single defender. If they want to take it back, they'll have trouble because in theory you can indoctrinate one of their four infantry making it a 3v4 in your favor, also with a single cruiser hovering above the planet that they risk getting bonsai'd. Um, yeah, this is one that I kind of just like straight up missed, and it's mainly because in my game I got too enticed by skipping Daxiv for Hyper, which I do think is good, but no, Daxiv is like in no better hands than the Yin Brotherhood. Right. Um, the fact that you go in with one ground force, do not fight anything, and end up with three ground forces is madness and plays even further into their strengths of having really good ground forces. Um, I love your Cruiser 2 idea, and it's something that I had been trying to implement, and, and the reason I couldn't ever suggest Cruiser 2 first is because more often I needed the security of Infantry 2, because people still want to go for me, and I think doing this Cruiser 2 strategy is sort of the same problem that I had with Ghosts, which is like, if you're going to do this early on, you are going to have some enemies. Now, theoretically, you have really good ground forces that are defending planets, and the enemies don't matter. But more often than not, I ran into some problems if I really hurt people too hard too fast. It just depends on the order that you exactly. get the tech in, really. Yeah. That's I what think, it comes down to. I, I think I made this point of Infantry 2 first, then either Space Dock 2 or Cruiser 2, whichever makes sense. And I think Orion Eve gives us an, a really amazing reason why Cruiser 2 you might want to go for first. If, if, if the Mechatol play isn't able to work for you, this is the kind of crazy stuff you can pull off with Cruiser 2 if you get it fast enough. I mean, I think with Daxiv, you might you might be able to just pull off some mid-game stuff without even having Infantry 2 yet. You know it's what I true. mean? It's no, true. I feel like Infantry 2, with with Daxiv plus Cruiser 2, right. uh, that's like a great late-game like It that's, is. That's you hanging it's, on. It, I don't think I'll ever be able to convince myself to get two green tech and then not get infantry two. Like right. get two green tech. All right, now let me go over here and get plasma that, scoring yeah, real quick. You're, you're and then right, get you're cruiser right. two. Now, if you have the red skip, yes, by all means, nab up cruiser two real quick. But um, if you don't have the red skip, it's a little bit harder to suggest. If you have a red skip, it is a, it, yeah, it's kind of an automatic. I thing. really liked this one though. Yeah. That that in interaction we hadn't really thought of. Yeah, and it's super cool. Um, this next one's from Robofish. Um, good old Robofish. I do think you underplay how much of a problem the mind net are. Their super dreadnoughts carry two ground forces. They'll brush your destroyers aside. And if you don't have a PDS, Hera will win in the end. Yeah, I, we, we mentioned that Lizix has a relationship with Yen or kind of counters them, but right. I, I don't know why I didn't play this up more. Like, L1, I actually think we just didn't see them together that much. Yeah, really it just we weren't seeing them in the same game, so we didn't see that encounter actually happen. And if we had, we would have just been so apt to point out how obviously Lizix, you know, can crush Yin if they want I'm going to do a little errata within this errata uh -huh. because I forgot I wanted to bring up in the episode proper. Yeah. But I wanted to say that the worst part of every episode, the dinkiest part of every first round strategy guide was the counters section. Oh, for sure. It was it's a Calvin stupid... Ball. Yeah. It was just all over the place. And we always... There, okay, so the idea of like we were going to do a first round strategy guide for every race 
and uh, look at them all singularly, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that we would then also, within each episode, <laughs> consider them versus every other faction. Right, it's too much. To... You weren't going to see that at every interaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Impossible. Yeah. Um, so that that was definitely a part of the show that was never my favorite and always kind of difficult. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, Roberfish. Yes. And I think th- this was one of the things that I think we got the most eroded on most frequently was like here's always an, the counters here's, here's another counter, counter inter- it was promissory notes and it was counters right. and those are the two they things were just we the always two needed to fix biggest blind spots yep all right is it rundown time it's rundown time it's hunter's favorite time of the week Ooh. where he gets to blather like an idiot you can go to twitter for game updates and announcements um you can go to our facebook or our twitter is called space cats pod uh by the way yeah. um you can go to our Facebook for announcements, and also if you just want to ask us questions, if you want to send us messages, where you say things like, oh my god, the show's so great, oh my god, Hunter's my favorite, oh my god, no! what, is, what does Matt even do? Um, you can go to Reddit Twilight Imperium every week for posts and discussion that Matt does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what I do. That's yeah. the part of the show that I contribute. Right, right. Uh, you can go to our Board Game Geek Guild for discussions, and you can also see uh, the calendar that hopefully will be more um, accurate going forward as we don't have these like weird deadlines we're always looking for. Yeah. Um, you can go to uh, our email. You wouldn't really go to it, would you? you just send an email. I go there. Oh, yeah, Matt goes there. And if, you, if you've if you been able to hack into our email, then you are, you've most certainly gone there. Um, but the email is spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail. And what we like to receive at the email is this Imperium Life submissions and plays of the week. Please send us both of those. We need those. Um, we have, I'm sure, lots of this Imperium Life segments now, and I'm really excited about uh, next week. You can go to our Discord for fun in quotes conversation (laughs) and patreon benefits um please rate us on your podcast app of choice especially apple podcast slash itunes um one more thing i hunter donaldson am a comedian and tuesday june 26th uh which will be a week from the time that you're hearing this uh i will be at the helium comedy club competing in portland's funniest person contest uh my show is at 10 p.m the tickets are $10, but if you call ahead and you say, hey, I know Hunter, they will give them to you for five. Uh, please come out and support me as a comedian. If you want to look up my comedy, I'm on YouTube, just Hunter Donaldson Comedy. You'll see me right there performing at uh, at Helium, actually. Um, and yeah, I would just love the support. If, uh, if you love the show, if you think... Uh, that you know I'm funny and that Matt is just okay and like whatever you know he's fine but it's not you know could be better could be better if Hunter um, were there more right if Hunter if Hunter really showed up more and then, and then you know I want to thank some Patreoners <laughs> it's uh, funny because I've been trying to feverishly get the Patreoner thanks ready and get the play of the week ready so I've been ignoring everything Hunter uh, has been saying and I just now realize he's been talking crap on me this whole time so that's really right, fun right, right. um i want to thank chris bacon i want to thank oh mahat maniac i want to thank jesper person that, that's that's his title the mahat maniac jesper person maniac jesper person i want to thank the cartographer of chaos in mac we trust oh yeah that is such a good that is a good one title for in mac, in we, mac trust we trust makes uh has it, multiple times on our stream games when we were like hey everyone make us a map 
Uh, he's the only one who shows up and does it reliably. Uh, Raptor has helped, you know, other people have helped him, but like in Mac, we trust has always been like, all right, I'm jumping on it. And so he made that he got a like, new title. nightmare map. Yeah. That we played on it, ended up loving. That's it the best so map we've ever played on. Yeah. Matt, do you want to do the play of the week? I just got to do all the really fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, the really fun stuff. My favorite part. <laughs> all right. Uh, this one is from our dear friend, Laura. Um, um, and Empress Laura. Empress Laura. That's right. Let me make sure that that's right. There's more to it. Pirate Empress. Pirate Empress Laura. Laura, uh, Laura has this to say. <clears throat> is Yin's devotion and direct hit a combo? I frantically PM'd this to three different people on Discord and asking the rules in chat. Entering round six, I, the Yin Brotherhood, had seven points. I had the secret objective in hand, destroy another player's flagship, and control of Mechatol Rex. The person ahead of me was the speaker, and it was four players. I used public disgrace so that I could get Imperial, and then I managed to pick up technology. I could taste my victory. <laughs> I activated technology first turn to get Space Dock 2 and Infantry 2 to be prepared to earn Develop Weaponry, the two-unit upgrade public objective. I then popped Imperial to go from seven points to nine, and Xcha started coming for me. He activated a system next to my home system and took some planets. He had Warfare. I knew that when he activated Warfare, I would build my flagship and immediately move in and get blown up. But just in case, I had learned... That devotion and direct hit is indeed a combo. And what a better way to win the game as Yin than to destroy their greatest ship. Wow. Oh. You don't even need the flagship. I keep telling people, you don't need you don't even the flagship. It. it doesn't you work. Don't even you need can it. do more. You can get victory points without the flagship. You specifically can't get victory points with the flagship. And all you need is... Direct hit and devotion. All you need is devotion and direct hit. All you need is devotion and direct hit. We're so dumb. Bye. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>